Hi, welcome to the Refuge House Church podcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impart their word for Christ. So here is what we need you to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. Now, we'll be sharing on um, stages of preparation for the faith life. We have said during the course of this teaching that as a believer, we have been saved to live a faith life. Is that not so? Because God is a faith God. God is a spirit. You don't see God with your eyes. The only way to relate with God is by faith, and that faith is based on his word. Hallelujah. The Bible says the just, those that have been declared righteous through their faith in Christ, will live by faith. And we said that there are several preparations. Basically, there are three, but we're dealing with the first one. There's statutory preparation, there is seasonal preparation, and there's preparation as a posture. I hope I'll get into the other two. But the first one is the most detailed one, the statutory preparation. The word statutory comes from the word statue, something that is necessary, required, stated. There are several spiritual preparations in the scripture that has been marked by God to embellish, to strengthen, to groom our faith in him. And if we don't apply ourselves to all these levels of preparation, like I told you, our faith will be crippled. It will lack the confidence, the totality in persuasion, in confidence, and in boldness, and also achieve greatness and exploit that God has destined for our faith. We've gone through them. I'm not going to waste time because I want to try to finish where I'm going today. The first preparation under statutory preparation is the preparation of the study of the word of God. We said that our faith life begins with studying the word. The Bible says study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. When you quote scriptures as a believer, it should, has, it should have depth. You just say, I think, I guess, I suppose. That's someone who lacks depth. So you must study. And we went into details of study. One of the evidence of a believer who studies the word, he will have a word note. I was watching a message by Polynetri yesterday. And he made a very interesting remark. Because greatness has a pattern. It has a lifestyle. He said when young ministers come and see him and they ask him to share with them. He said there are two attitudes he watches out for. He said if you talk to some, they'll be shaking their head like this. Mm, 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 mm. He said a little ink is stronger than a photographic memory. Did you get that? Did you understand that? A little ink is stronger. Little ink on paper is stronger than a photographic memory. That means when you are there talking, you are shaking, it does not matter how photographic your memory is. There will always be lapses. You know the reason why? Because you are processing a lot of things with your head. So one of the things that helps to sustain what you consider important to your mind is making sure when a message is being preached, you're writing down something. He said when he noticed people like that, his, his discussion with them is usually very brief. They will just shut down. But he says when he watches the one as he talks, they start writing. He says, excuse me, sir. And that's my, when I sit with people that are, even with my father in the Lord, I go with my notes. As they are talking, I say, please, forgive me. Can I write this down? That's my lifestyle. He said when I see those ones, he said I go more than I tend to do. I go as far as trying within whatever God has given me to reach out and help. Your attitude matters a lot. Some of us, are, we're not teachable. We're not meek. We learn with an attitude. And when you learn with an attitude, you're not going to change. Number two, we talked about the preparation of what? Meditating on the word. The word of God must be dominant in your mind. Because there are a lot of things we think about every day. 
And what we think about frames, what we think, what we, uh, how we see things, how we relate with things, or simply put, our perspective. Your perspective has to do with how you see things, how you relate with things, how you deal with things. And they come from what you think. God's word wants to be the dominant thought in your mind and my mind. Praise the Lord. Number three, we said the preparation of words, doing the word. We have too many talkers, writers, admirers of the word of God, but very few practitioners. The only way to partake of the life and the power of God's word that is resident in the word of God is to do what the word commands. Jesus said, I will liken a man who hears my saying and dwell them as a man who builds his house on a rock. So that when the storm came and beat on that house, the house didn't fall. It doesn't matter what you claim to know. If you are not doing them, you are, they, are not, they are not going to appear in your life. They are not going to show in your life. Jesus said, uh, in, I think it's in John 17, uh, 13, 17 or so. He said, if you have my commandment, happy are you if you keep them. If you keep them. Are you doing what you're hearing? Or you just listen, write it down, no provision to act on the word. Number four, we talked about the preparation of our inner man. Our inner man is the spiritual aspect of us, the real us. Because the real identity of man is spiritual because his creator is spiritual. God is a spirit and when he made man in his image and after his likeness, he made man spiritual. But for man to exist in the earth, he gave man a physical clothing called his body. But that does not take for granted that you are spiritual. And I always tell people this. You are not a natural being looking for a spiritual experience. You are a spirit being placed here to relate with God and bring God's will to pass in the earth. Say amen. amen. Then number four, we talked about, that's number four. Then number five, we talked about the preparation of going to church or going to the house of God. And we, we dealt extensively with that. Many of us have a religious attitude to coming to church. That's why we don't plan. We don't pray. We don't prepare. Some of you, it is when you wake up on the Sunday that you are now, ah, let me hurry up. I don't want to be late today. If you don't want to be late, you will start from Saturday. Did you hear what I said? You, you, you can't wake up on Sunday morning and be cooking. There's no value. So, sorry, Pastor, you don't understand. I would have been early. You know, I had to wake up to start cooking. Why will you, start, why will you wake up and be cooking on Sunday that the day you are going to church? That just shows that your value for God is very low. If we understand that going to church affects our faith, it will change our attitude. Then we said in number seven, number six, I mean, yeah, number six, we talked about serving in the house of God. It's not enough to go to church. You must be a servant. God has created the local church, the local assembly, as a platform for community and also a platform for service. One of the things God will judge you on when you stand before him is what did you do in his house? Because whatever you serve, wherever you serve, and whatever you did is a contribution to the advancement of his kingdom in the earth. What is your contribution to God's kingdom in the earth? What are you doing in the house of God? And when you're serving God, Jesus should be your only goal. Somebody say amen. Jesus will be your what? Your only goal. Jesus should be your only idol. When your service is, if God is regulated by how people treat you, what happens to you, and what you go through, that means you didn't come to church to serve God. And we said that when you serve God, you are planted in the house of God. Say amen. Okay, then we went to the preparation of what? Fasting and what? Fasting and prayer. And we said that there will be times in our faith journey, it will look as if certain situations are mocking our faith. It will look as if when you call the name of Jesus, nothing is happening. And we said there is nothing wrong with the name of Jesus because that name has been highly exalted above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should what? Bow. And every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to who? To the glory of God. There's nothing wrong with the name of Jesus. But if it seems not to be walking in your mouth, check your heart. When what God has designed to work doesn't work in your life, it's not because something is wrong with God. Bible says, let God be true and every man a what? A liar. What do you say, Lord? What is the unbelief in my heart? 
What is going on in my heart that is not making your word work in my life? When you are humble and teachable, he will tell you. And one of the spiritual exercises that helps us to deal with our flesh, our ego, and our pride is fasting. Because fasting deals with the flesh. If you want to subdue your body, subduing your body is not only just with good discipline, choices, activities. One of those activities must be fasting. You must have a regular fasting life, outside church fast life. You must set aside time to fast and pray, or else you're going to have backload of unbeliefs in your life. Am I making any sense? When was the last time you declared a fast for yourself? Today I'm going to stay away from food. Let me just fellowship with God. Let me talk to my heavenly father. Let me speak to him, Father. Many of you are trying to do things that only his spirit can help you. But because you are too proud and you don't realize that, you are trying to use power and might to accomplish what only the spirit of God can make happen in your life. Don't forget the Bible says it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. Alright, so the eighth and the final we're looking under statutory preparation is the preparation of what? Soul winning. Everybody says soul winning. We said soul winning is another important area that enables our faith to function effectively. And we said that many believers are lagging in their faith life because they don't win souls. Soul winning is going to tell other people about Jesus and the goodness of God and what he has done for them. Praise the name of the Lord. We also said that there are four powerful truths. Everybody say four powerful truths. Say that, say four powerful truths. All believers must know about soul winning. If you don't know, know them. I've already dealt with them. I will just list them. You can go over the message again and listen to get details. Number one, we said Jesus commanded us to win soul. Say amen. amen. Mark 16, 15 said, Jesus said, go ye into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What is the gospel? The good news of what Jesus has done. There's a reason why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that no man can come to God except through me. Why? Because Adam, through his transgression, indebted humanity to spiritual death. And nobody could pay for that indebtedness except Jesus Christ. That's why everybody born into the world is born a sinner. Whether you are morally good, morally sound, your parents are going to church, or you, are, you started going to church, it has nothing to do with that. That was what Nicodemus found out. He was a senior religious man, but he didn't understand the born-again experience. And Jesus said to him, he said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Excuse me, born again. Do you know my age? I'm an old man. Who, will I enter my mother's womb and come out again? Jesus said, no. He said, I thought you were a man that knows the law. He said, that which is born of the spirit is of the spirit, and that which is born of the flesh is what? It's of the flesh. I'm telling you that there are two kinds of birth. Your biological birth, which we all experience, that's how we came into the world, and a spiritual birth. People need to know that. That Jesus died to pay for the indebtedness of sin that Adam gave to humanity. Hallelujah. And, and we are commanded to go forth. And remember what we said, anything Jesus instructs, because he is the word, is a springboard for our faith. Say amen. amen. Number two, we said it is wisdom to win souls. See, the wisdom of God is different from the wisdom of this world. There are many believers, they are born again, but they are trying to operate the worldly wisdom in the kingdom. It doesn't work like that. Because what the world may celebrate, heaven doesn't celebrate that. As a matter of fact, the Bible said that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination to God. Because anything man esteems as an idol is idolatry in the eyes of God. The only emphasis of the kingdom is Jesus and what he has done. Say amen. amen. So it is wisdom. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth soul is wise. Winning soul is wisdom. Say amen. amen. Say to win soul is wisdom. When you win soul, you activate the wisdom of God in your life. Say amen. Then we said number three, the four, third thing you need to know about soul winning is that we comply. Everybody say we comply. You know what comply means? It means you conform. Is that not so? To whatever the requirement is. Good. We comply then and confirm our rising in the kingdom and life through soul winning. There's a place for lifting in life. 
you can let your effort promote you or you can let men promote you or you can let God promote you. But one thing I will tell you, if men lift you, they can bring you down. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. But the Bible says promotion coming not from the east, west, north, and south, but from who? But from God. When God lifts you, even if everybody gang against you, nothing will pull you down. Because if God be for you, no one can be against you. Many of us are spending our effort, energy, trying to secure the lifting of men. Forgetting that the one who God doesn't lift, it's only a matter of time you will come down. Are you listening to what I'm saying? All right. So one of the pathways that has been a mark in the kingdom for lifting in the kingdom and in life is true soul winning. Daniel 12.3 says, They that be wise. Remember, it is wisdom to win soul. So when you win soul, you are wise. And they that be wise shall do what? Shall shine. Everybody says shall shine. As the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever. There is no soul winner that doesn't rise. It's a law. Are you listening to what I'm saying? There are certain things, I've said this before, that there are some things prayer cannot cure. It's only obedience that can cure it. The reason prayer cannot cure it is not because prayer is helpless, it's because you are applying the law in the wrong principle. Is that clear? Are you still with me? You are applying the wrong principle. And until you obey what God has instructed, pray from now till thy kingdom come, as far as God is concerned, you are not praying because you're not complying. Hallelujah. Okay, number four, which is also very, very important. We said, when we win so, we maintain our innocence from the blood of sinners. Everybody say, from the blood of sinners. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 18 and 19 says, God said, when I say unto the wicked, you will surely die, and you do not give him warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his way to save his life. This same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked and he turneth not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he will die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. There are many people that have gone to hell today because of some of us. Because we didn't, when you were in the car and you had an opportunity to preach the gospel, you didn't say anything. You didn't. And as a result, the person died. I remember the guy said one day he wanted to sleep in his neighborhood, in compound. And the Holy Spirit said, go to so-and-so door in your compound, knock at the door, and go and preach to the person. I said, God, it's after 11. How can I be preaching to somebody by after? He said, go and thank God he knew the voice of the Holy Spirit. So he reluctantly went to this neighbor and just, bum, bum, bum. after a while, the guy opened the door, partly said, yes. He said, don't be angry. I was about sleeping. The Lord said, I should come and tell you that Jesus loves you. And he died for you. So he started preaching. But after a while, the conviction of the Holy Ghost came on him and he started to cry. Then he opened the door fully. He had tied a rope that he wanted to use to hang himself. So that next morning, they would have seen a dead person there. But thank God somebody obeyed. One day, a person was praying and the Holy Spirit said to him that he should go to a, a bridge, a known bridge in that their area there. Say bridge. He said, just go there. So he went there, and as he got there, he saw a young man was about to commit suicide. So he quickly grabbed him and ministered to him, and he got born again. But one of the stories that I never forgot was a guy God spoke to him. He said, go to the bush and preach to the tree. <laughs> he said, God, preach to the tree. And his tree, the tree gets saved. He said, go and talk to them. So he came. He said, listen to me, all you tree. Jesus died for you. He said, his brain just like, are you okay? But he preached. When he finished preaching, somebody came from behind one of the bush and said, how did you know I was here? He was about to kill himself in the bush when he heard him preach. So he listened to the message and gave his life to Christ. Also received Jesus' life. Say amen. Let me say this. Many of you don't know, there are people in your office, because of the wrong coding or the wrong perception, the way we have configured ourselves, we have unknowingly and reluctantly put some people as no-go either. Some of them may even be in your class, your neighbor, your colleague in the office. 
The Holy Spirit has been nudging you. Talk to this person about Jesus. Talk to this person about Jesus. It has happened several times where the Holy Ghost was telling somebody only for them to come the next day. The person was dead. May God, by his grace and his blood, make us innocent. Are you hearing what I'm saying? These four truths are pillars for all believers. If you're going to be winning so, you need to understand that. Praise the name of the Lord. Alright, let's continue on the soul winning and trust God that I'll be able to complete what I wanted to say. Write this down. Soul winning gives our faith the needed exposure. You know, when you, you graduate from school, um, they, they, first of all, during your training in campus or in your school, they send you for what they call IT. IT is called industrial attachment. Industrial attachment is to give you a feel and an exposure of the working environment when you leave school. And so they, you, they give you what they call a logbook where you log in your activities and everything you did while you were under the attachment. That apprenticeship helps you give you some level of exposure and anticipation of what the working environment looks like and what your course applies to. That is if you, if you use it well because sometimes people use it for monetary reasons. They don't go and attach where they can learn. But the whole concept is that in order for you to be an effective worker, you must not just have education, you must have character. Is that not so? You must have experience. You must be exposed to the workplace or else you're going to be a major, major catastrophe there. That's how it is in spiritual things. There are certain things God has designed as IT for our faith experiences that are meant to strengthen our faith so that when we face difficult situation we can overcome with assurance say amen. amen and one of such experience is winning souls so i said soul winning gives our faith the needed exposure to increase in three things number one conviction see faith is a heart thing not a head thing the Bible said in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all what? Your heart. Not your physical heart that pumps blood, but your spirit, your inner man. How do you do that? By faith. And, and faith is a conviction. The word conviction means a persuasion that is produced by the knowledge of the word. Just like if you are uh, coming to Bible study, I said when somebody joins a political party, he becomes persuaded about the manifesto of that party assuming they will keep to it so anywhere he goes he defends his party because he's persuaded that what the party's vision has is what the country needs or what his local government needs or what his state needs depending on what he's contesting for or he's supporting in the gospel in the faith the scripture is the basis of our persuasion hallelujah the word of God is the foundation of our persuasion. Not the senses. Not experience. Not opinion. But the word of God. So one of the ways God deepens our persuasion is through soul winning. Number two, soul winning also increases our confidence. You will notice the more you talk to people about Jesus, the more your confidence in God grows. First few may look a bit jittery. You may be easily carried away with expressions of people. But as you persist, the grace of God begins to grow in your life. And your confidence factor increases. From talking to one person, you can talk to two. From talking to two, you can talk to three, four. From talking to four, you can talk to five. Then all of a sudden, you can talk to 20 and you can talk to a crowd. Say amen. amen. And finally, number three, soul winning increases and positions your faith for exploit. What are exploits? Exploit refers to those works of signs, wonders, and miracles that Jesus did. That's what exploit is. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also. And even greater because you'll be more than these will you do. Why did he say that? The scripture says, they that do know their God shall be strong and do exploit. Hallelujah. Now please hear understand this. So winning exposes you to these three things. They strengthen your faith, the conviction of your faith, the confidence of your faith, and it positions and empowers your faith to do exploits. Say amen. amen. 
Now, I remember I told you about the testimony of a guy who came from a very poor family. They were so poor that the family could not even afford to buy jam foam for the boy. It was that bad. But this boy came to a church and he heard about soul winning and the blessing that goes with soul winning. So he engaged in it. At least let me go and whistle for the kingdom. One of the days while he was busy preaching to people, the Holy Ghost spoke to him. He said, go to the American embassy and tell them if they have a program for people like me, my qualification. That couldn't have come from a man. Remember, his parents could not afford to buy jam foam. So that means it's possible they didn't have the connection to go to American embassy. And you don't go to American embassy except they invite you or else they, you know what will happen to you. So he went there, got to the gate, the security man looked at him. You know what? When God sends you, he's already gone ahead of you. The security man said, yes, what can we do for you? He said, please, I came to find out if you people have a program for people like me. So the person said, okay, hold on. And they called somebody inside. He said, okay, tell him to come inside. That's how he entered the embassy. He sat down. He said, hold on, let us check. They checked the system. They said, actually, we have one for you. And he comes with a scholarship. That's how he entered the embassy, got scholarship, and flew abroad. There are certain things that are waiting for those that will obey God. May you be that one in Jesus' name. Amen. Say, I hear you. Now, let's turn our Bible to Mark 16. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 to 20. We're going to look at what we call the Great Commission, which popularly called the Great Commission. The word commission means a charge, an instruction that Jesus gave to the church before he left or he ascended into heaven. And this is important because this instruction is to all who are born again. It's not just for pastors or leaders. It's for everybody that is saved. If you're born again, this is for you. Say amen. All right, Mark chapter 16, verse 15 to 20. Hallelujah. Are you there? What did he say from verse 15? And he said unto them, Go ye into where? Go ye into what? All the world. Now, let me balance that. When the Bible says, Go ye into all the world, it's not just talking to you alone, it's talking to the entire body of Christ. Because we're going to be all over the world. What he's simply saying is that wherever you find yourself in the word, he says, Preach. The gospel to what? To every creature. That word creature is actually from the word you have, being person. Same thing in 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, is a new creature. Now, everybody is a creation of God, but not everybody is a child of God. Do you understand that? To become a child of God, John chapter 1 verse 12 says, As many as received him, to them he gave power to become. So you need to receive him so you can acquire the power to become. Hallelujah. So he said, go preach the gospel to every creature. Now, everybody needs the gospel. Because the gospel is the good news of what God has done in Christ for man. Verse 16. He says, he that believeth. Is that in your Bible? He that believeth and is baptized shall be what? Shall be saved. And he that believeth not shall be damned. Let me explain verse 16 for you. Because many people have asked that, what does it mean to be, that if you believe and you are baptized, shall be saved? That, is it water baptism? Now, water baptism is important, but that's not what he's talking about here. And I'm going to show you from the scripture. Now, the baptism being referred to here is not water baptism. It's a different kind of baptism. It's a, the word baptism, uh, write this down, comes from a Greek word called baptizo. If you see it in the Bible, the New Testament was translated out of Greek. Anywhere you see the word baptism, it's, it comes from a Greek word called baptizo. The word baptizo means to deepen or to submerge. Try to imagine you taking something and you are putting it inside water. That is if it's water. If you submerge it inside water, it becomes water baptism. Is that clear? But in the Bible, there are different kinds of baptism. Not one. So, whenever you see the word baptized, please note the context in which the word is used. In this particular case, the baptism is talking about is the baptism into Christ through salvation. And I will show you. Go to Hebrew chapter 6, verse 1 to 2 quickly. 
That's why it's important to study your Bible. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 to 2. And when somebody asks you a question, you should be able to, with scripture, explain to the person what it is. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Are you there? What does it say? Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. So you know we're talking about the doctrine of Jesus. Let us go unto maturity or perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead work, which is one of the doctrine of Christ, of faith towards God, which is another doctrine of Christ. Number two, verse two, of the doctrine of what? Can, you, can, can everybody say that? Of the doctrine of what? Let me ask you a question. The word baptism, is it in plural or singular? Is what? Plural. That means there are more different kinds of what? Baptism. Very good. Now, the type of baptism referred to in Mark 16, 16 is the baptism of salvation through our union with Christ. Being born again is compared to being submerged or dipped into Christ. Our old self was crucified with Christ and our new self was raised with him. And the one who baptizes this, uh, that carries out this kind of baptism is the Holy Ghost. Let me prove that to you. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13 to make you understand that this is not talking about water baptism. It's a spiritual baptism of salvation. The Bible compares our salvation experience to a spiritual baptism that is carried out by the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. Are you there? Are you there? What did it say? For by one spirit, whose spirit is that? The Holy Spirit. Are we what? All baptized into one body. So it's not talking about the physical baptism here. Or water baptism that is done by a physical person. It's talking about the baptism that is done by the spirit. And to be born again is a spiritual experience. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 3. That which is born of the spirit is what? Of the spirit. Hallelujah. Okay, so he's talking about the baptism of salvation into Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jew or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, have been all made to drink into one spirit. So the day you got born again, you were baptized into Christ. Say amen. amen. Let me show you another scripture that puts that. Go to Galatians 3 and verse 27. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27. So you will understand this. That it's not talking about water baptism. Water baptism is something you do after you are saved. You don't do it to get saved. Water baptism for Christians, people who are born again. Not for unbelievers. You don't baptize to get saved. You get born again, then you can be baptized in water. Say amen. Alright, Galatians 3.27. Are you there? What did he say? For as many of you as have been baptized into who? Into Christ, have put on Christ. Who does the baptism into Christ? The Holy Spirit. Is that clear? So the moment you're born again, what has happened to you? You've been baptized into Christ. Christ is the life of God. And the moment you're baptized into Jesus, you've put on Christ. Say amen. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's what? A new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now go back to verse 17 of Mark chapter 16. We've looked at verse 15 and 16. Let's look at verse 17. What does verse 17 say? And these signs shall do what? Follow them that believe. In my name they shall do what? They shall drive out or cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink, you see, it didn't say when. It says if. That means you shouldn't go and look for poison to drink and prove that if I drink poison, I will not die. You will die. That's not what he said. He said if. <laughs> Hallelujah. You don't, you don't go and try to show. You know, like when Satan told Jesus, if you are the son of God, turn these stones to become bread. Then you just say, Satan, you won't try me. I will show you that I have power. Stone, become bread. No. No. It's not in the nature of God to show off. Praise the name of the Lord. Is that clear? All right. So get it very clear. Now it says, um, if they drink any deli, it will not hurt them. In other words, in the cause of preaching the gospel, if you are exposed to harm, God will ensure that you are not harmed. 
Are you listening to what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what he's saying. Okay? Then, you, they shall lay hands on the sick. And they shall what? Recover. Now, let's stop there. You will notice in verse um, 17. There are two things you need to look at in verse 17. Can you go to verse 17 of Mark, Mark chapter 16? Go to verse 17. There are two important things to note in verse 17. Hallelujah. There are two things to focus there. Two things. Number one, what are the signs that follows? What are these signs? What are they? And number two, who are the them that believe referring to? Notice, and these signs shall follow. What are these signs? He tells us what the signs are. But what is the meaning of the word sign? The meaning of the word sign comes from a Greek word means supernatural manifestation. Everybody says supernatural. That means manifestations that are coming from the supernatural realm. Not it has physical expression, but is generated from the spirit. And the word sign means, write this down, it simply means signs, wonders, and miracles. That's what it means. When you see the word sign, God is saying that as they go forth to preach, supernatural manifestations will follow them. Why is it supernatural? Let me give you an example. Take, for instance, um, the first sign. They shall cast out devils. Have you ever seen a devil with your eyes before? No. But you may have seen somebody that is possessed before. I've seen that several times. I've casted that devil several times. Or let me use someone that, uh, uh, one of the signs that you probably could relate with. It says they shall lay hands on the sick. What will happen? Is there any scientific fact to buttress that? What is the science of touching somebody with your hand that the person will get cured? Physically speaking, it doesn't make sense. But that's why it's called sign. The Greek word for it is supernatural manifestation. In other words, the backup is from the spirit, not the natural. If it's natural, you need to go and meet a doctor that will prescribe drugs for you, possibly give you injection. And by the time you take the drugs or the injection, according to the prescription, and if the drug can cure the image, it will do its job. Is that not so? In which case, the experience of healing comes from the drug, in that sense. But, but the Bible is talking about another kind of healing that comes, that doesn't come by drugs. It comes by a supernatural manifestation of the power of God that goes with those who preach the gospel. Say Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. So we know what those signs are. Then the second thing you need to keep in mind is the word them that believe. Who are the them that believe? It's important you understand that. The them that believe is referring, in the Greek, it means the believing ones. It's not talking about people that believe so that something can happen. Oh, no. It's a noun. It's not a verb. It's referring to the people who are born again. The people that Jesus has commanded to go into the world and tell the world about the good news of Christ and what he has done. So the them that believe is referring to every child of God. Everybody say every child of God. So when we say, say, when we say the them that believe is referring to me. Say me. If you are born again, you belong to that class. You don't have to be a pastor. You notice there is no bishop here. There is no pastor there's no prelate, there's no pope, nothing. Them that believe. What do they believe? They believe in Jesus. Glory to God. So that's the only qualification you need. Somebody say amen. amen. Say amen. amen. Now notice also that these signs, the Bible says, follows them. So they don't seek it. It follows them. Is that not so? Are you still with me? We are not to be sign seekers. We are sign carriers. But you see, there is a condition to that. Jesus said, go to the world, into the world, preach the gospel. Is that not so? Then he says, as you go to preach, these signs will do what? Follow them that believe. Glory to God. Are we still here? These signs that follows comes from the backing of of the manifest presence of God in response to the obedience of the believers to go and preach. So if you are not seeing supernatural manifestation in your life, it's because you have joined the association of people that don't do anything in the kingdom. Just sit down. 
One month will pass. You won't talk to anybody about Jesus. One year will pass. You won't talk to anybody about Jesus. And you're wondering, and you're hearing testimonies. You know, the, the testimonies in your life are becoming smaller and smaller. If you want to see God's supernatural manifestation in your life, go out and preach. Somebody say amen. amen. Go out and do what? Preach the gospel. When you go and preach, the Bible said these signs will do what? Will follow them. Look at verse 19 and verse 20. Everybody. Verse 19 and verse 20 of Mark 16. Quickly. Verse 19 and 20. Are you there? What did he say? He said, so then, after the Lord had spoken to them, after he had given them the charge to go and preach, he was received up into heaven and sat on where? The right hand of God. He didn't say the right side. That right hand means place of power. Okay? Verse 20. What did he say in verse 20? And they, so that means they obeyed. Is that not true? They went forth. Somebody said they went forth. What does it mean they went forth? It means they left their house and they went out. They went forth to their working place, their business place, their neighborhood, their street, everywhere. They went forth. What did the Bible say? They went forth and did what? And preached. Are you paying attention? Everybody, are you paying attention? Where did they go? Where did they go? They went forth everywhere, preached. How did God respond? The Lord walking with them. Who is the them? The them that believe that went forth. And confirming the world with what? That means all the signs he listed, the Lord will confirm. Now, this is very powerful. What God is saying is, if you do your part, I will do my part. If you don't do your part, you're not going to see my part. They went forth. He says, go and preach. And the Bible says, they obeyed. They went forth. And as they went, preached everywhere, the Lord was walking with them, confirming the word with signs following. Somebody shout glory to God. Somebody shout glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Now let me say some few things before I round this up. This is very powerful. The signs that come follows, like I said, comes from the backing of God's presence. As they went, they didn't see it. They obeyed. They went. If you read Acts of the Apostles, you'll see that. As they stepped out to preach the gospel, Exploits was, for, was happening all over the place. Now, let me say this to every one of us. This will help you. Write this down. As we step out to preach the gospel, we expose our faith to boldness and exploit. Write that down. As we go out and preach the gospel, we expose our faith to boldness and exploit. As we go out to preach, we expose our, our faith to what? To boldness and exploit. Let me show you a scripture. Go to Acts 14 verse 3. Because if I tell you, I, I like to show you the Bible to back what I'm saying. So you know I'm not teaching or preaching my opinion. Acts 14 and verse number 3. Acts chapter 14 and verse number 3. Are you there? Can we, can we put that on the screen? Are we there? Acts 14 and verse number 3. The Bible says, Long time therefore about day speaking boldly. Hello? Can I ask you a question? When did the boldness start? When did the boldness start? As they were speaking. They were not bold. In, the, the boldness is only relevant when you are speaking. Is that not true? Boldness is not relevance in the place of silence. That means if you are not active for the kingdom, you are not ready for the boldness of the kingdom. They were, the boldness only spoke when they went out. It says, long time abroad, they speaking boldly in the Lord. When you see Christians who are timid, Christians who are afraid, who are scared, you will know that those Christians, they don't talk about their faith. Did you hear what I said? Have you ever seen Christians that are afraid? Scared. They're timid. They're always afraid. They're struggling with fear. 
These are believers that do not talk about their faith. If they are bold about anything, it's to cause people and to quarrel and gossip. That's the only thing they don't have to be bold in, in the flesh. But if you're going to be bold in the spirit, you must be willing to reach out for the sake of the gospel. Can you stand in the marketplace and talk for Jesus? There is a boldness that the Holy Ghost will put on any believer who steps out to speak for Jesus. To your senses, you are wasting your time. But for the kingdom, it's wisdom. And you're making a contribution that will advance the cause of the gospel. Somebody say amen. amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There have been times unknown to you when God will prompt your heart to speak inside a taxi. And you're, and, and you're like, you'll be having palpitation. Ha, I hope I will not disgrace myself. You will not disgrace yourself. Hallelujah. Boldness. Once you obey God, boldness comes. That's why I said you expose yourself to boldness and exploit. Watch this. Which gave testimony unto the word of his grace, which is the gospel. And granted what? Signs and wonders to be done by their hands. God will not just grant you signs sitting in your house, doing nothing. You want to see God reveal himself in power and glory through your life. Step out. Somebody say step out. Somebody say step out. If you don't step out, the grace of God that commands signs, wonders, and miracles will not follow you. Step out. Step out. Step out. Make plan to preach. Make plan to reach out. Somebody say amen. Make plan to speak. Make plan to reach out. There are many today who are dying and going to hell because we're not talking. And Satan has had the perfect counterfeit in the life of many believers. Many today are victims of the cares of this life. Everything about your life is you. You are hustling. You are trying to fix your life. You are trying to take care of your children. You are trying to do this. And you tell God, I'm so busy. You are like Martha. You are encumbered with so many things. Legitimate concerns. Taking care of your family. It has gotten so bad that you don't even have time for God anymore. When they ask you, what is the problem? You say, Pastor, I'm going through stuff. I'm going through situations. What you've said or what you've done is that you've positioned your personal interest as more than God. Because there's always a price to pay for following Jesus. Did you hear what I said? There's what a, a price to pay. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, what will you do? He said, you will take up the cross and follow me. The cross is the place of sacrifice. The cross is the place of putting God first place. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you have to hate yourself. Hate your father and your mother. The first time I saw that word, I was like, excuse me, Jesus, do you mean actually hate? What they were simply saying that nobody or nothing should come between your love for me or else you can't follow me. Today we have compromising believers who are following God more out of convenience than sacrifice. There are several people the Holy Ghost has prompted for you to talk to and reach out to, but you didn't do that because you're busy minding your business. You're thinking about yourself. When I came to this time before this church started, I remember that I graduated from Futo for almost two years. I was looking for a job. That's how I knew Port Harcourt. There's no, especially Transamadi, there's no place in Transamadi I don't know very well because I walked everywhere. But one thing I did while I was looking for a job, you know, that time you'll be looking for something, it'll look as if you're not seeing it. Not because you're lazy. So I just switched. Everybody say I switched. I switched. I started going out for evangelism. Church had not started. I'll preach. I'll be on the street. I'll preach. I'll go to somebody. I'll just minister. Preach, minister, preach, minister. And as I was doing that, even though I didn't have a job, God was supplying my needs. And I didn't starve. I had a place to stay. I had food to eat. I remember when I went to a video center, I usually go in the, in, during the morning time. As I finished, I was watching, we watched the video. As I wanted to leave the place, the Holy Ghost said, you see that, that lady there? He said, stop her and talk to her. I did. Then as I was starting the uh, story building, there was a man by the gate. there said, stop that man. I go and tell him this, 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 this. I did. The man shouted. He said, who are you? I said, it doesn't matter. I said, it's just Jesus that sent me. That's all. He said, can I talk to you? I said, no, 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 no. Mm -mm. I didn't, he didn't ask me to, for you to talk to me. He said, but how can I reach you? I said, it doesn't matter. He kept talking, talking, and the Holy Spirit said, okay, 
let him have your number. I told, no, I told him he should give me his number, not my number. That if I will call him, I will let him know. So he gave me his number. It was in the place of prayer. I've done about three days, the Holy Ghost said, call him. When I called him, he said, I've been waiting for you to call me. I said, well, I needed to be sure God wanted me to call you before I call you. And somehow along the line, he invited me to his company. That's how I knew he was the owner of a company. I went, prayed for him, prayed for his company, blessed him, ministered the gospel there, and they blessed me. Hallelujah. Those of you that are complaining that you don't have a job, go and win so. What did I say? Go and win so. Let God see the soul. I remember um, when this church started in Igbelu, usually in my birthday, I usually give God my gift. And the best gift you can give to God are souls. That's the best offering. So one day I said to God today, which was my birthday, I was going to give him 12 souls. So I was walking there. I came back from work that evening, put on my short, entered the street. It was around 5, 6. I was doing evangelism from 69. And I won, and the Holy Ghost led me so well. I won, I think I won more than 12 that night. I remember very well. I won more than 12 people to Christ that night. I remember that I met this set of people that were talking, and I started talking to them about Jesus. And by the time I was done talking to them, they all received him. And some other one, and there were some other miracles that took place. And I came to God. I said, Lord, now I bring this as my gift to you to say thank you. Hallelujah. And I was grateful. Well, not long after then was I told you one time I was praying, and God spoke to me. He said, son, say, this time it's me that will give you a gift. He said, I'm going to send somebody to give you a car. That's how I got a car. I've only bought one. I've driven like how many cars? Almost five, six cars. But of all the six cars I've driven, I only bought one. When the Bible talks about lifting through soul winning, I am a living proof and testimony that it works. There are many of you, nothing will change because you are very selfish. You will go out in the morning, you will pursue things about yourself. That business you are pursuing, and it's as if you are not catching it. Go and win souls. When you win souls, the thing you are looking for will start looking for you. Some of you, there are people who carries the miracle you need. By the time you are ministering, you will find out that there is someone you will lead to Christ that is the, a helper that God has ordained for you that you don't know anything about. But yeah, we are selfish, struggling, self-centered. And people are dying and going to hell. Somebody say, go and win souls. Say, go and win souls. Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehc.org. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like these.